Hi everyone, it's Jamin with Keen Point of View, the best intersection for gay issues, politics, and Christianity ever. I wanted to say thank you for listening. This episode is special to me because it's with my mom and my aunt. And we had to record it out of order. So you'll notice that my aunt drops out for the gay section, but comes back for the other section. We recorded it out of order because she had to leave to take care of something. So the person that was left to ask the questions, I asked uh, my mom, I said, what are two questions that you wanted to ask gay people, but you never got a chance to? And she asked some questions that straight people often ask about gay people. But I wanted to provide a safe space for people to ask these kinds of questions, not out of ignorance. Um, They're not doing it to be mean-spirited. They're not doing it to be nasty to anyone. They're reaching out in love and concern for something they don't fully understand and trying to still wrap their heads around with lingering questions they may have. So those are the two questions she asked. And I do believe that safe spaces need to be provided for people to ask questions like this for things they do not understand. Same thing for trans people. I'm not trying to tell trans people what to do, but I think there should be a safe space for people to ask questions of trans people for things they're not understanding. Again, not out of ignorance, but out of just trying to wrap your head around something you may not understand. Um, And you want to understand because you want to support, you want to love, and you want to know how to love. So um, enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. We'll open with a song that my mom and aunt wrote. Life is messing with me. Life is messing with me. If you live long enough, life will mess with you too. Life is messing with me. Life is messing with me. If you live long enough, it will mess with you too. My boobs used to sit. Just about middle ways, my chest. But if you can pick them off the floor, all I'm doing my best. Life is messing with me. Life is messing with me. If you live long enough, it will mess with you too. My teeth used to be all locked up in my mouth. I in a jar, just a rattling about. With me, life is messing with me. If you live long enough, it will mess with you too. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamin with Keen Point of View, the best intersection for gay issues, politics and Christianity ever. This week, the federal government says that it is doing well with the pandemic, but they keep taking equipment from states. States are reopening before they're ready. And the Pentagon is taking money from foreign projects to build the border wall with Mexico instead of helping us get through the pandemic. How in the world is this doing well and where do they feel they're doing a good job? In Christian news, some churches are facing closure as a result of the pandemic. Is this a good thing for Christianity or is it the end of Christianity as we know it? In gay news, one question you've always wanted to ask a gay person but never got the chance to. We also have Bum of the Week and Boo of the Week and a segment about three stories from the past of my two very opinionated guest hosts this week. Two of my favorite people in the world, my mother and my aunt. Say hi, y'all. Hello. Hello. All right, let's get to it. So, everyone, I am very happy to finally have my mother and my aunt on my podcast. I've wanted this for so long, and my mom said that she would never do this. So thank you, Mom, for doing it. And um, thank you, Aunt Pat, for also doing this. Um, My mom is the next to the youngest, and um, 
Aunt Pat is the youngest of my aunts. I just want to open with some information um, about what you want to share with people about who you are, um, anything you feel comfortable sharing, any stories from your lives you want to, um, not the fun stories yet, but uh, just anything you may want to share. These are two of the funniest people I know in my life. And um, I do have a story about um, my aunt that I'll share once she's done introducing herself. But um, anything you want to start with mom about how, like, you know, you, why I don't like oatmeal today because I ate it, ate it too much as a kid or um, anything like that. Like how you tried to kill me with sausage and joy when you <laughs> thought it was canola. There's so many, there's so many stories that, like that. But um, and I was not a drinker, so it, w- it wasn't like I was drunk or anything. Um, well, I'm a North Carolina girl. Born this is Greece. my mom, by the way. Yes, I'm Francis. I'm Jamie's mother. Um. I'm a widow now. Um, not looking for anybody, so nobody call me. That's um, right. You fine. <laughs> and I live in Maryland. And I, Jamie said I'm very opinionated, but I don't think I am. I just say what I got to say. Um, That's the definition of being opinionated. Oh, oh really? <clears throat> <laughs> well, one funny story about Jamin. Uh, yeah, he hates oatmeal today only because he had to catch the bus at maybe 6.30 and I would always make sure he ate breakfast and the fastest thing for me was to get him to eat was oatmeal just about every morning, if not pancakes. Um, but I don't like oatmeal either, so I really can't, never pushed him into eating it. I just told him if he didn't eat it, <laughs> he wouldn't be doing much that day. But let me see what else. What? Wait, what is this? What is this watered down? Ver- no, she no, gave me oatmeal. She did push oatmeal because if it's the only thing that you're eating for breakfast before you leave, that's pushing oatmeal. Like I was like, can I at least have cold sit? No, this is oatmeal. It sticks yeah, to your ribs. ribs. <laughs> and there's starving children in Africa. And what did I say? No, this, this I, wasn't the oatmeal. This was when I was trying to give you liver. Oh. and But for two years, well, maybe a year, just a year, Louis cooked, his father cooked some liver. I don't didn't eat liver. Never. I, no, only if my sister cooks it, my older sister. But Jamie said, what? he was about maybe four. He said, Mom, what's this? I said, pork chops. He said, oh. So I gave him the rice and the gravy and deliver. He was eating. He was happy. And then one day we came home and my husband had made oyster, oyster fritters, um, pork chops, and the real pork chop, and baked potato. So I put the pork chop on Jamin's plate and he said, what's this? And his dad said, pork chop. Jamin said, no, it's not. That's not pork chop. And he said, it's a pork chop. He he looked at me and he said, Mom, what is this? And I said, pork chop. He said, what was I eating? I said, liver. I don't think he's ever eaten liver again. I'm not sure. Do you eat liver? I have not. No. (laughs) But you enjoyed it when you eat, when you thought it was a pork chop. I don't know why you don't eat it. But anyway, that's just one of the things. I got so many. And she said, well, there's starving children in Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me tell that. Let me tell that. I forgot that. I said, do you know children in Africa are starving and they would be glad to get this, this uh, liver? 
he said, well, he pushed the plate to me. He said, well, send it to him. I don't want it. So <laughs> that, I did, I was that done. So I had to get up from the table, go in the bathroom and um, laugh because he never saw me laugh at something he said. And so, but his father had no better sense than the laughing at it, but I, <laughs> didn't. <laughs> I didn't. So, but that's why he doesn't like oatmeal and that's why he doesn't like leather. And um, for breakfast one morning, she was making me. Um, so this is the day I got up early to eat like a real breakfast. Um, she was making me sausage and pancakes. And <laughs> I yelled from upstairs. I said, Mom, what are you making? And she said, sausage. I said, it smells weird. She said, no, it doesn't. I said, no, it does. But it's, I said, OK. So I kept getting ready. And then I bit into the sausage. I said, this tastes weird. She said, no, it doesn't. Just go ahead and eat. What do you mean? It tastes weird. I said, Mm-mm, it tastes weird. I wouldn't eat it. She's like, you better eat this. I said, I'm I'm not eating this. This is something's wrong. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. I used the oil from behind the, And she went behind the basement door and pulled out the oil. And she said, oh, it was next to the joy. Um, joy. <laughs> <dish detergent. laughs> and she said she was so tired that morning. And she said, as she's poured it into the pan, she's like, this is kind of thick, but okay. It kept she <laughs> so she tried to get me to eat sausage with um, me with dishwashing detergent. Well, it, it might have been a disinfectant now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Trust that. Try. So if y'all want to get rid of coronavirus, <laughs> use, use joy. Joy. Joy, use joy, joy. and eat sausage. <laughs> Don't really do that. No. All right. I'm Pat. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm I'm the baby girl. I'm Pat Saray, and I am the opinionated one. Uh I say what I mean and mean what I say. I always people say I'm not I say you they say you mean Aunt Pat. I said, no, no. Aunt Pat just means what she says when she says it. So, but I am a kind, gentle person as well. <coughs> that's why I, I hey, that's why I, don't worry about them choking. Uh that's why Jameis <laughs> says I'm one of his favorites. <laughs> the story I'm gonna tell is about when I was married. I'm divorced. I've been divorced for I was married 14 years and my husband was married 14 minutes. <laughs> hey, y'all get that on your way home. I did. I got it. <laughs> but when I was married, I was a, a really, truly dedicated married woman. I, I stood by that man. I stood by him. Sometimes I had to find him to stand by him, but I stood by him. And he went out every day after work after I worked, because he didn't work. It was after my work. And I ironed his clothes and I I had a sunbeam iron and I ironed his clothes and he'd stay gone two or three days and come back and his clothes were still just like they were when I ironed them. And nobody could tell me that he was running around. And next thing you know, I'm advertising all my girlfriends in the community. I was saying, if you want your husband's clothes ironed and they stay ironed, Use a Sunbeam iron. Sunbeam iron stock probably went up really, really high for me selling their irons. But it took me about, I guess, five years to realize he was taking his clothes off and hanging them up and then putting them back on. So it really wasn't a Sunbeam iron. Y'all get that on the way home, too. (laughs) 
So I have a lot of stories like that. Um, I'm a writer. I write a lot. I have a book that when it gets published, it's going to go to New York Times bestseller overnight. Mine too. Ain't a person in ain't a person in America that's not going to like this book. Tell them, Jamie. It's <laughs> it's a good book. It, it's a good book. So that's a little bit about me. I can't wait to get started on uh, this week's topics. So if you um, want to take it back over, Jamie. Um, before we do that, I have a story about Aunt Pat. Aunt Pat has always been the person in my life that's like, you know, dream big, dream big, so big that your dreams scare you. Don't be afraid to try anything and just go for it. So one night at her house in North Carolina, we were talking and um, this is when I was, I think I was 14. And this is when you used to go to the auto shows and they would give you books about the cars and not just like the whole line, but each individual car had their own book. So my green car at the time was a seven series of BMW. And this is like, they had like a, this thing was like probably like 50 pages of a 750. So we're sitting there talking and she said, you know, you got to have big dreams and all that. And we're talking and um, you were drinking wine. Yeah. And she, was, she said, we're just sitting there talking about dreams and stuff. And I was said, yeah, this is my dream car. She said, what, what year is your, uh, what year is that book? I said, oh, it's from last year. She said, and the fire was going in the fireplace. She said, keep your dreams updated. Throw that book away. And she like, so I threw it in the fireplace and the book just burned up. I didn't know that that was the last year they were doing books like that. So I had no book going forward for the seven series. <laughs> That's right. Standing like now. Trees update to burn that, that book. That would be a classic book right now, wouldn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But he got he got classic dreams now. That's right. See, he right. He's, he's he's living his dream. That's right. Man, he burn all our, our comic books. Yeah. Keep yeah, it. their mother, Mama Madge, she she got tired of looking at the comic books and they had old comic books like original Spider-Mans and stuff, y'all, like money. A whole and box she, of them. Moved out of the old house to the new one. She said, I'm not taking all this junk with me. And throughout the comic books, they had old Superman when it was action comics. No, we didn't throw them out. She had had us burn them. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not. See, my sister Frances, she's going to have the New York Times bestseller because she has an imagination. Let me tell you what happened to the comic books. (laughs) What happened, Pat? I was there. What happened? Francis, my sister that's on here with me today, and I, we put the comic books in shoe boxes. No, we didn't. No, no, no. That ain't the comic books. That's right. You're right, Francis. What we put in what we put in shoe boxes was baseball cards. Yes. Because we were moving out of the same house, going to the new house, and we thought we were grown, 12, 13, we just didn't need to play with baseball cars anymore. So we packed them up in shoe boxes, went down in the woods behind the house, dug two holes, and we said, when we get grown, we'll go back and get them. So many times I've wanted to go down there and dig around and see if I could find those. those. Maybe one nothing. or two might have survived, but they down in random somewhere at our home. Mm-hmm. Somewhere down there. That's when you used to get Cards with bubblegum, slabs of bubblegum uh-huh. for a nickel. Yep. Get two cards and a slab of bubblegum for one nickel. Right. That yep. hard bubblegum. That hard bubblegum. We throw the bubblegum away and keep the cards. 
Yeah, we keep the cards. Oh, man. I hated that guy. <laughs> we were millionaires, but didn't know it. We threw everything away. I'm still a millionaire, multi-millionaire, born to be one. Not yet. Only when I hit the mega million. No, no, no. no that would be all. next week. Keep your dreams updated, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> How are y'all doing with the pandemic? What's going on with your shelter in place? What are y'all doing? How's that well, I'll go, I'll go first. Um, when I came in at, to shelter, I was a size 10. <laughs> <laughs> I have been sheltering for a few weeks, and as they say, I'm past double digits. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. I mean, I walk into the kitchen, and the refrigerator says, Patsy Ray, and I open it. Just left five minutes earlier. So it's something about the food they're selling us now that's making us eat more. I don't know. I don't know about anybody else, but how about you, Francis? I think I'm doing okay. Um, I've been out twice in the last, what, eight weeks, but um, to once to the grocery store, once to the bank. But, twice um, to the bank. That, no, well, no, you haven't. It's been more than twice. It's been more than twice. No, I had to make an appointment, so I had to come back home. Well, you have been out more than twice. The, who's here, me or you? You here? <laughs> I, you tell me when you go out, and I fuss at you for going out, so it's been more than twice. I don't think so. It hasn't been more than twice. Anyway, but I'm doing good. Um, I'm not eating as much as my sister, and I think I lost, well, I didn't lose it, but I didn't gain either. I'm still at my weight that I was before this happened. But I'm well, I lost, making more. I lost, but I found it. But I think I'm making I'm making cakes and freezing them. And I made a lemon meringue pie last Sunday. I ate the last piece last night. So um, might make another one because I have eggs I got to get rid of. And other than that, I'm doing fine. I talk on Facebook, talk. You know, my sister's every day. Um, talk to my girlfriend daily. So I'm doing fine. Watching a lot of movies, reading a lot of books, getting caught up on stuff. I think it's a, a as bad as it is, it's an opportunity for us to for us to get to know ourselves and and families to get to know each other because life has been so fast for everybody. The kids get up, they go off to school. <coughs> You go to work, they come home, dinner, bed. So that that same routine has been going on and on and on and on. And families have just disintegrated. And this is an opportunity for families to really get back together and know the kids. So when that teacher tells you you got a little hoodlum for a child at school, you ain't got to go down there and cuss them out no more because you know you've been locked down with that little hoodlum. Yeah. So it's, a, one it's an opportunity opportunity for everybody to really see what their life is really like. I want to say this. This past winter, this past season, every, especially in January and February, every time I had to go to a meeting or go out, some, I said, Lord, please let it snow. Let me wake up to snow. I just want to stay home. Just, just let me stay home. So now it didn't snow. We didn't have, I don't think we had four inches a whole winter uh but now i'm home and i'm mm-hmm. what am i home doing i don't know just home 
But I got my prayer answered. So. Yep. What about you, Jane? I have been, as I said, the last two podcasts, uh, first two weeks were not good. Um, I was bathing every day, but that was pretty much it. I slept and played video games and just was in a frozen. Um, But I did at the end of the two weeks submit for film festivals and all of that. So started getting work together and focusing on what I need to do during this time, because um, unless we keep having pandemics, we probably won't get this time for a while again. So I've been trying to just stay busy and focus with that and also be more in touch with myself to know what my reactions to different things and bad news are. And I find myself catching myself more to say like, oh, yeah, you used to do this unhealthy behavior when this happened, but now you're just feeling it and not trying to run away from it stuff like that. So uh-huh. um, I if I play a video game, I'm OK with it because I'm like, it's now time to relax and it's OK to relax. But don't make it, you know, don't make it about a month of just relaxing and staying still when there's stuff that you can do that you probably should be doing to move your what you want to do ahead. Because um, like I said, you hopefully we won't keep having pandemics, but like you won't probably won't get this time again to do stuff like that. This week in politics, the federal government says it's doing well with the pandemic, but they keep taking equipment from states and states are reopening before they're anywhere close to being ready. Their uh, peaks have not hit yet and they're already reopening Georgia itself. The day that they said that they were going to reopen, they had a thousand new cases. And the day that they reopened, they had 200 new cases. The Pentagon is taking money from foreign projects, according to Politico, to build the border wall with Mexico instead of getting equipment to people who need it in the country. So I want to know, how is this doing well and where do they feel that they're doing a good job? And where is that equipment going? I have a theory of where it's going, but what do y'all think? Pat, you want to take it first? Okay. It's like, to me, you have to ask the same thing as where did the ventilators go? I mean, it was like PPE equipment. It would get start a place and either the federal government would outbid the states and take it and stockpile it. But if you look at what's going on, now this is Pat Saray's opinion, in every state that's a Democrat that has a Democrat governor, all the um, demonstrations and all the protests. And we live in America. It's okay to protest. You can go out in the street and you have that right. But why are you in the streets with these, the guns? And it's like we're headed towards um, civil unrest, a civil war, um, revolution within. I think that it's all being driven from higher ups to push all this and all this stuff that they're taking back and stockpiling is because they know that we're going to need it. They're going to need it. Not we going to need it because we ain't going to get it, but they're going to, they're going to have it for whatever it is that they're planning. That's just my thought process on it. What other reason would there be? Why wouldn't you be standing up saying if you're making America great again and everybody's one and we're all Americans, What's your purpose if it's not a, 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 a purpose that only a select group is supposed to know about? No, I, I agree um, with Pat. And I also agree that it's not the federal government. 
it's one or two people in the federal government that heads the federal government. Um, and you know who I'm talking about. I'm not calling them names. Um, but I think we're getting ready for something a little worse than co- coronavirus. And I think they're trying to push because it's always been said that there's going to be a civil war in America again. But it's going to be a race war between black, white, anybody that's not white. I'm sorry to say that, but it's coming. And I say all the time, these cities always have people bringing guns in and turning them in. And the majority of them are black people turning them in and get a little $20 for the little gun. But some other people are stockpiling weapons. Uh We're not. They are. But when it comes to them, and I'm sorry, I don't. White people are listening to this, but look at the facts. They care. And if we don't, if the government doesn't watch it, and if our senators, our governors, and our people in office does not watch it, and the ones who are for civil rights, the ones who are for everybody's rights, not just civil rights. If you're an American, you got a right. No matter if you were born here, you got a right. So this is not a white country, a white man's country. This is not a black man's country. This is God's country. We say we have God in it, but we pushed him so far to the side that he's like a shadow. You can't even really see him anymore. Um, but we better, all of us had better get ourselves together. Together, We better treat each other as human because this this can, this country can be imploded from the inside, and we're too hung up on money. Our, our God is money, capitalism. That's it, capitalism. And if these states are reopening, it's not to help the people. It's to help their stocks. It's to help their bonds. They don't care about the people who are dying. And this has touched young people, middle-aged people, Older people and older people. It's touched everybody. It doesn't have, a, this disease is not a racist disease. It's a human disease. Human. Our humans are being affected by it. Um, and we had got to wake up. We better get ourselves together, put God back into the equation, um, and just be alert and don't be alarmed. But keep your ears open, keep your eyes open, and don't look at don't look at the world with blinders. Take the blinders off and look at the whole world. This disease has touched the world, not a section of the world, not the east part of the world, the west part of the world, the north part of the world, or the south part of the world. It has touched the whole entire world. Whether this was man-made or God-made. I don't know, but I know that we're all human and we're all brothers and sisters. I don't care what color you are. I don't care where you come from. We are the human race. We're not animals. And we should treat each other with love. If you don't like me because of the color of my skin, I'm sorry. If I don't like you because of the color of your hair, I'm, I'm sorry. But we should be. we should get it together. If we don't, we're going to be a statistic of this country that used to be so great 
And when was it so great? When they held slaves or when they killed the Indians or gave them smallpox? That was great. America was great then. Um, when they hung people from trees because of the <clears throat> color, that was great. That's a great nation. I don't think so. And I don't think we ever want to go back to those times. We're looking forward now. This is going to be the new normal. From now on, it's going to be new. And we should treat it as new, not the same old attitudes, the same old racisms, the same old hatred. It's a new day. God has blessed us and he's going to take care of this. We're going to come out of this. We're going to go forward, but we got to go forward with more love, more respect for people and not judging everybody just because you don't know them. And I think when it's time, he's going to step in and he's going to he's going to take care of everything. That's just Francis's opinion. Can I, Jamie, okay. can I add something else? Okay. It would go back to your original question of what do we think that the government is doing with the, the equipment? It's if the news media is really concerned about what the media, what the government is doing with the equipment, why aren't the cameras on some of these shipments and you're seeing real live footage to you saw it coming off of a plane and which way did it go? So it's it's almost after the fact to keep people keep our minds wondering. Show me the real facts behind where the government is doing. Those planes got to come in somewhere. If you mm-hmm. can get cameras, there are, there are drones. There are all kind of of methods that can be used to get the get the data. So if you can show people demonstrating in the streets, in the uh, uh, armed thugs in the Capitol buildings. You got those pictures. Where are the pictures of the planes and the trucks taking equipment? That's right. So when when you can show me that, then that's that's more of a I can really comment on it because they all if if not, it's just theory. Show me the facts. What did what did uh, what's the guy's name say? Show me the money. Oh, um, uh, uh, Jerry McGuire show. Uh, yeah. Jerry McGuire, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Show, show, show me the facts. And then let's, let's repeat this conversation when we see those kind of pictures on the evening news. Um, the stories originally came from the state governors saying themselves that their shipments were taken and FEMA coming along and saying, oh, we're not doing that. And yeah, I, I but, agree. I agree. But those governors or somebody could get the private detectives. Somebody could. Yeah, get a camera on it. Get a as camera the on some of this stuff. Seeing that, right? It's being taken away to another direction or something. Absolutely, because I, um, I can get on the, on the news and say the same thing. Right. So I feel that uh, it is being taken, and I think it's being given to uh, the government for. I think uh, Trump is taking it for. Eventual distribution to uh, states that support him. And those are the states that will get uh, equipment because uh, Michigan asked for uh, ventilators and California asked for ventilators and they have Democratic governors and Michigan didn't get what they asked for. They asked for hundreds of ventilators. They only got like 10. Uh, California, we got 100, but they were all broken. And so we had to have a company fix them, um, whereas uh, like Texas, uh, other red states have been they got more than they asked for. So it's 
obvious to me that he is favoring states that will vote for him, states that have governors that speak well of him. And I don't really like that because if if this was any other president, even Bush, he would have tried to save American lives because as bad as Bush was, he did love his country. Um, now, Trump, I don't think, loves anything but Trump. And Absolutely. he doesn't even love his supporters. He just loves anybody. Right. He just loves himself. So um, I don't agree with what he's doing there. I don't agree with the Pentagon taking money from foreign projects to go towards building a wall. How is the wall stopping a virus? Why are we not spending that money on medical equipment for people, for this uh, frontline staff to have, for companies that are still forcing their people to go to work to get food on the table, getting them to be protected with equipment? I have friends that work in grocery stores and they don't have the equipment they need to protect themselves. And they're scared that they're going to wind up getting the virus because there have been hundreds of grocery store workers and dozens killed by this. So I really do wish we had a better president. I wish we had a more compassionate president. And as bad as Michael, as bad as um, Pence is, I don't think Pence would have governed in this way. I think he would actually have done what he could to help everybody. So um, we just have a reality star who's all about himself in charge. And this is what we have to suffer through. I don't know what America did to deserve this man for the whole country to deserve him, but um, this is what we're under. And it's like, this is the last days of King Saul that we're living under. (laughs) And um, I don't think it's going to get better before the election. However, uh, I think we're in a two week period where these states that are reopening are going to find out that they're not ready. And sadly, more people are going to die and they're finally going to get it. But I hate that it has to happen this way. But for black people in those red states, you included, uh, Pat, (laughs) stay inside. Yep. But it's um, it's sad. Let me say one thing, Jamie. Maryland is in a red state. We're not really, but we got a Republican governor. You're still a blue state. Okay, but we got a Republican governor. And I know everybody does not agree with me, but Governor Hogan, Larry Hogan, I think he has done a fantastic job. And I'm a Democrat saying this. I think he's done a fantastic job. And all I say to him is keep keep it moving. Just keep okay, doing well, he doing. took money from opportunity zones that could be used to revitalize black neighborhoods and gave it to Trump's friends. But I do think with the pandemic, he is doing a good job, but I don't. I'm still not a, a I fan still think he's doing good. But everybody has opinion about different people. I know. But I don't live in Maryland anymore. So mm-hmm. I love my governor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he if he says we're gonna secede and start our own country, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this the the leader of our country now is he has in his, I think, I feel he has in his mind that it should be an all-white country. And that is not going to fly. It, yeah, I, I think him, that they will fight to try to fight to make it happen. But Stephen Miller wants an all-white country because he's the one that suspended immigration. Yeah, and if you, I've always said... Pick the, pick the states you want 
build a fence around those states. That's what a fence, that's what a wall should go around those states and give those states to the trumpet and all those that want that separation. They have their food airlifted in. They they got their hospitals, their doctors. But if you get caught outside that fence, you won't be going back in. Because that, that kind of hate needs to be bottled up in one section and just let them kill themselves off. Mm. I mean, that's well, just I- wishful thinking. I mean, I know that's not anything that could happen, but you can't, you just can't keep hoping the past is going to come back without a lot of bloodshed. And it's, it's, well, I hope the past never comes back. No, no, they're hoping the past does come back. Mm-hmm. They're hoping that the that the signs go back up and the and the white only and the water fountains and the all the negativity that America, the history that when they say make America great again, that's what they're talking about. Is prior yeah, to civil rights. Of his supporters, thirty three percent of his supporters said they feel that freeing the slaves was a mistake. That's right. They. I'm telling you, we as a race have never, ever the worst thing. And this is my opinion and my opinion only. The worst thing that ever happened to us as a race was integration. Martin Luther King never asked for integration. He asked for equality. Equal rights. Equal rights. He wanted equal rights. But the white man did not want to spend the money to to make our school, to make our neighborhoods, to to be at equal. So therefore, shut it all down and y'all come over here with us. It has never, ever, ever been equal. Because the schools in North Carolina, when they integrated, all the black schools were closed. Everywhere. Not just North Carolina. It happened everywhere. They had to go. I know, but I'm saying because I was in North Carolina, I know it happened. Those black schools closed down. They had to go to, unless it was a big school, like really, I don't think they closed Dudley. And Dudley was supposed to integrate it, but I don't know know if any white kids ever went to Dudley or not. You might have had one or two. But it's just, no. Our teachers weren't good enough, and some of them had master's degrees, and come to find out some of these teachers teaching in these other schools, their other schools, only had a high school education. They didn't have degrees. Our teachers had, every teacher we had in high school had a master's degree, and you know how they got it? They had to go to New York in the summer, every summer for three or four years, and take courses. And I don't know if it was New York University or which one it was Miss Jones and I used to go to, but they would spend two months in New York, working on their master's degrees. But when the schools integrated, they weren't good enough to teach the white kids. That's right. And some of those white teachers didn't even have degrees. They had high school diplomas. Francis, if you look at anything, you can take a, a high school white person, male or female, they can come out of high school, go knock on the door of any any industry they want to walk into, and they're they're put in place and they take off. You could take a valedictorian from a black kid or a brown kid, anybody that's not white, and graduate with honors and knock on those same doors and they can't get in. Mm-hmm. That it happened when we were kids and it's still happening. We've always had to do twice or three, four, five times as much. But guess what? We as a race have always take, taken that challenge and stepped up to the plate. In their eyes, no matter what you have, they don't want you to come up. We live in neighborhoods, any neighborhoods we want to live in now. We can live in those neighborhoods. 
you'll move in and they'll, they'll, start to, they'll start to move out. But guess what? That wherever they move to, they gon there's going to be a person of color in that neighborhood. People in random. I said everybody. People oh, in random that I thought were rich when I was a kid. I go down there now, ain't nothing but a cluster of deplorables. Because we didn't know they we didn't know they were just as poor as we were and sometimes poor because they could do all the things, all the things that they wanted to do. And we couldn't do those things. We had to do certain things and hold your dreams inside. That's why I came up with always dream big. Because my mother always said you can do what you want to it, no matter how, how bad do you want to do it. But so, I mean, thing, I, hmm. you finished, Pat. I'm sorry. Didn't mean yes, to I'm talk. finished. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, you look back on your life and you say, oh, y'all were poor. We were not poor. I don't remember one day in my life ever going to be hungry. Nope. We always had food. We had three meals a day. If we're in the summertime and if we didn't go to, to Jersey or Maryland for the summer, my mother cooked three meals a day. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We always had meat on the table because we either had raised calves or hogs or chickens. We always had vegetables because that's what they raised in the summer and canned them. My mother canned peaches and beans and tomatoes and corn. And what wasn't frozen was canned. We always, I don't know of anybody in my community, I don't think, that went to bed hungry without food because everybody looked up each other. Can I ask the question on that, Francis? You you touched something in my mind. You notice all of the food lines, I mean, the, the cars and the people are standing in line going to the food banks hungry. By cars by the thousands. People have been in line for hours. I'm not understanding that. There's enough food uh, it, in the world it, it's to enough feed food. everybody. I mean, it, it's like, okay, well, what kind of food were you, what, what were you doing when you were working? I mean, it's, we've been in lockdown how long now? A couple months? Yeah, about, about March. About a month, 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 month and a half. Eight weeks, nine okay. weeks, something. Six, it's been six weeks. So, okay, six, six weeks. Only six weeks? Six weeks of lockdown, and you got thousands of people standing in line to say they're out of food. I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I, I'm not. Why are, and these are people that have lost their jobs. That really shows how people are really, truly living paycheck to paycheck. So you get paid this week or these two weeks and you go buy your family's food and pay the bills. How do we live in the richest country in the world? And in six weeks, we got our citizens standing in food lines. No matter what we think about. Trump, I still say we got to pray for him. Maybe God will turn his heart or something. Just keep him in prayer. I think at this point, I've been praying and like he keeps ignoring the people around him who know what they're doing. So I'm like, okay, obviously he's not getting the message. So we're going to pray that somehow the people around him take over maybe or something because I don't, but he keeps firing all the people who know anything. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? 
Trump reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar. And God used Nebuchadnezzar for his purpose, but he still had to bring, God had to bring Nebuchadnezzar to his knees. Yeah. So I, I just feel like, and Trump, he he gets up and tries to talk religion because he's got the evangelicals blindfolds on them. The, the white evangelicals. No, no, he got he got some of us jumping up and down. Not a, no, not not as much as them. But no, he got not some as of much. Them. He got some okay. of them. I mean, it, uh, uh, what's her name? Paula White. Her the majority mm-hmm. of people in her church are us. But I don't like. Let's not yeah, they are. more. I'm just like, why did y'all ever follow this woman? Right. What the world? Because she, cause, cause she preaches black. That's it. She I'm like, preaches if black. If you listen to That's what right. she's saying, I'm like. That's our problem. We want to preach. Uh-huh. Black. What's preaching black? You're just preaching the word. What's preaching black? She's preaching. And a lot of times, hat. like, they're not pre- like she's not preaching the word. I'm like, she's just. That's not. Yep. Yeah, I'm like that's not biblically accurate, like at all. She's under that definition that that, um, Hillary Clinton said. Just give give me the word. You can preach Chinese as as long as I can understand. Just give me the word. Ain't no, I don't believe in that preaching black stuff. Just preach the word of God. That's what you're up there for. Do that. And gay news this week, it's a little different this week. We're going to cover two questions that you've always wanted to ask a gay person, but never got a chance to. And these are two questions from my mom. So, mom, what is your first question? Oh, no, the gay people. No, just kidding. I never want, I never had a question. Um, Really, yes, I never have. had. A yes, you have. I have. Um, oh, the first question is. Were you ever molested as a child by another male? Okay, the first question. Um, that is often a thing that people think. And um, actually, I was molested as a child, um, but um, it was when I was really young. The person did, who did it was really young, so I don't think they knew what they were doing. But um, no, uh, to answer that question, no, I... That did that had no bearing on me becoming gay at all. Um, there are people who were molested by people of the same sex and grew up to be straight. They just have damage from that time. Um, it doesn't necessarily make you gay. Uh, so f- for me and others who were molested, who are straight today and gay today, um, no, I don't. I don't believe that molestation has anything to do with it. Like, I don't think back on that time pleasantly. It doesn't make me think like, oh, I want to have that feeling again or anything like that. So no, for me, no, it did not. And I don't think, um, I think psychologically, even they're finding that that is not, there's no link uh, to that. Because if it was true, all of those who were molested by people of the same sex would be gay today and they're not. There's tons of straight people who were, and they grew up to be straight still. Okay. Your second question? Are gays born that way or somehow they made that way? Okay. Are gays born that way or made that way? So nature versus nurture, as I joked with you before, nature versus nurture, either way it's the parents' fault. So <laughs> either we were born that way because you made us that way or like how we were raised. So um, uh, no, Um I will say that 
I believe I was actually born this way because I remember, um, I think you told me like you, I was two in a video and mimicked your pose no, exactly. Four. I was four. four and mimicked your pose exactly. And you're like, huh? So um, I remember in second grade, I had a girlfriend. And the reason I got into the relationship was that she just walked up to me one day and said, you're my boyfriend. I said, OK. And I was always raised that men and women go together. Men and women get married. Men and women have a family. So I was like, OK, this is what boys and girls who grow up to be men and women do. I had no attraction to her. I always felt I was performing, um, like getting her Christmas gifts. This is what you're supposed to do when you're with a girl. It was just like a kid thing. Sure. But when she broke up with me, I wasn't hurt. In sixth grade, I had a girlfriend who cheated on me and told me about it. And I was my pride got hurt because I'm like, why would you do that? But I wasn't like brokenhearted over it. I kind of was like, it's whatever. While I was in second grade, had the girlfriend. I was fake married to another boy in class who's actually straight today, at least living a straight life today. And looking back at all that, I'm just like, yeah, I've, I, I was I feel I was born this way. <laughs> like, I feel that nothing happened in my upbringing to make me one day switch over to guys. It was nothing like that. Cause looking back, I was, I guess, always attracted to guys. And like I said, fake married to a boy in class in second grade, I was sixth grade. I didn't care that she cheated on me. I really didn't. Like I said, I was hurt that she would do that, but not to the point of like, Oh, like, why Why would a woman do that? Nothing at all like that to say, like, I'm going to try men now. Nope. I was still attracted to boys even all that time. College was hard because I did not come out in college. And I was like, yeah, it, it was hard because um, I was still like, no, I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. Meanwhile, the football team would run by and I'm like, who? Like, no, I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. But um, yeah, it was. uh I feel that no, I'm. I I don't feel that it was nurture or anything. It was nothing you and Dad did that made me think of guys as being better or something. Because men are stressful. Men are not worth distress. Um, women say that all the time, and I say it as a gay man. Men are not worth distress. But trust me, if it was a choice, I would not choose men because men are not worth distress. <laughs> so no, it's not a choice. It's not anything. Uh, nurture related. It's natural yeah, for me. One question. Yes. So Bobby making you wash dishes and clean your room didn't didn't turn you gay. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It made me really. It made me actually. Um, it made me a very neat person. But no, I, I've met enough gay people who were raised like that and still are very messy to this day. To the point where you're like, how do you live like this? And you're gay. So no. Well. Nope. Can I say one other thing to you? <laughs> yes. You are my son, gay or straight, and I love you with all my heart and soul. Um, I take you as you are, and I will never try to change you. Only God could do that if he sees anything wrong with it. But I love you the way you are because you are very compassionate, you're loving, you're caring, and you think of others way before yourself. So I'm proud to have you as my son. If nobody else likes you, I love you. Just always remember that. Um, and it's nothing, nothing uh, you can have on your mind that you can't talk to me about anything. Thank I you. Love you. 
Love you too. Thank you. I will say one thing about you is I'm very grateful for your growth. You've grown a lot. I'm very proud of your growth. You and dad before he died. Um, Y'all grew a lot. And um, just thank you. Thank you for loving me through through it all and willing, being willing to grow yourselves and being willing to ask really difficult and tough questions and try to get an understanding I was really proud of dad, too, because he even gave me advice on dating men because he knows that men, he knew the men are stressful. He he told me who to watch out for and what to watch out for. <laughs> and I really like that both of y'all were basically telling me, like, we just want you to be happy. Just don't date a bum. Just, just date somebody that wants something, that got something. It really means a lot to me to have uh, parents who stand by me and not not try to push it under the rug, not try to act like it doesn't exist. Just, you know, face it head on. And I will commend you for the reunion in D.C. I talked about with Janae before that year. I brought my white friend and everybody thought we were dating, but we weren't. And thank you for standing your ground and saying like, no, this is my son. This is who he is. And I'm proud of him. And nobody better say anything. They they can say what they want. Just don't say it to me. This week in Christian news, some churches are facing closure as a result of the pandemic. Is this the end of American Christianity as we know it? And if so, is that a good thing or is it just an adjustment? Well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to say no. um, People always say, you know, the church is closed. The church is closed. We're going to go. Your church was not the only church. I'm sorry your church had to close or will be closing. But even if it was at my church, my church, the, we had a building that we met in. That was not the church. The church is connected with the people. You are the church. Christ lives in me and I'm his church. So I don't need a building to go to to prove that I'm a Christian. I walk around every day with my church in me. I'm the building. I'm the temple. The Bible tells us that you're, you're, you're a temple of God, right? So if we have the spirit in us, some churches will close. And some of the churches that I know of right here in Maryland have closed, not because of the pandemic, but because of other reasons, members. And your church is going to close to people, if anybody's listening to this, and they depended on your offering, your tithe, to pay the bills, to pay the preacher, to pay the lights, to pay, um, to keep the church going, keep the oil and air conditioning on, or whatever you need. And you don't set, you've been on this for six weeks and you haven't sent one penny into the church. Yeah, some of them might close. There's going to be some closures and probably some of them were close, going to close anyway. But this uh, coronavirus didn't help the matter, but they were going to close anyway eventually. But the church is not the building. You should be able to worship God if you're living on the island all by yourself. I am happy that some churches are closing. Here's why. Um, I feel that we have gotten really dogmatic and about um, whatever circumstance or pomp or whatever. And we've really gotten away from what Christianity is supposed to be. I feel that back when Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, I feel that actually that might have been a mistake because Christianity with political power always kind of goes towards people and people mess up power all the time. And ever since it became a political thing, it's always been used as a weapon versus um, a thing of love. So if this means that 
churches are going to close certain churches, I'm okay with it if it gets us back to what the root of Christianity is supposed to be. And that's about love. That's about true religion, taking care of um, taking care of orphans and widows, that all of that, not really telling people uh, not standing from a place of judgment all the time and calling it love when it's not really love, Uh, looking at people as equals as human beings, just like you, no different from you. If we get back to that, I think it's better versus what church has often turned into, which is one denomination versus another. This group is better than this group. Let's pick apart things of the Bible that we like and things that we don't like, uh, things like that. I, I really feel that if this is what is going to happen, okay, let's get back to where it should be. Okay. I, um, I agree with some of what both of you said. Um, I think that when, when God tells us to read his word is all the, of our instruction. Stay in the word daily. Stay in the word. You got to store that word within you because there's going to be times that you're going to need to to regurgitate a scripture or uh, a prayer or a proverb because the churches. I think government is going to come after the churches in one way or the other, because if you look at all the wars that have been fought or have been religious based wars, and it's going to come a time that they're going to say, if we're going to have peace, we got to be in control of the other religious leaders. And if you look at the, the politicians they're going after the Joel Osteens and the, and the TDJs. They're going after the big mega guys, uh, uh, evangelicals. How can an evangelical minister be a true Christian preacher of the word and say Trump is uh, a prophet and he's ordained and he's this? And, based on what? Because if you if you look at his look at his uh, uh, profile, it doesn't none of that fits. How do you, how do you stroke that and make it fit? I, I don't know. I just I I think that the they, churches, huh? No, they they try to make it fit by saying, "Oh, God used Darius from um, Persia, who was a tyrant, and uh, gave uh, the Jews back." their freedom and allowed them to go back home and God used him, even though he was a sinful man. The thing with that is that that is one way of looking. First of all, that's one way of looking at Darius in Persia. It's different. Like the Greeks that wrote about Darius wrote him as a tyrant. However, in Persia itself, he was not seen as a tyrant. He was seen as a liberator. And he got, you know, he had to flex his power at some time, but overall he was loved. That's not the story that they're telling. So the story that they're getting is from Greek manuscripts and all that interpretation when actually he was a much more complex and nuanced person than that. And you can't really say that God used Darius so he can use Trump. Yeah, but Darius did some awful things in power. Trump is doing awful things in power. And who is he benefiting? Like he's not... 
he's benefiting himself. He's not even helping Christians. He's helping like white evangelicals. He's not Mm -hmm. helping and he's not helping black and brown Christians at all. Nope. Nope. He's only helping one subset of Christianity. And they look at that as love. God is love. Trump has not in the whole time he's been elected as the leader of the free world talked love. He how many times have you heard him come out on that stage and gave any kind of sympathy, condolences to the loss of lives that we've experienced? Right. He just did it recently and it was like two minutes. And then the rest of the time he talked about himself, talking about himself. I mean, it's like. How how are you still wrapping your arms around that? So God works in mysterious ways and you can't even try. You you, you can't even attempt to try to say what he's thinking or why he's doing it. Right. When he gets ready for you to know, you will know. So the, the main thing is you just have to have to have faith. You have to know that whatever it is, he's still God. He's still on the throne and he's still in charge. Trump don't think nobody's in charge but Trump. He ain't even thinking about God being in charge. He knows that's what the evangelicals want to hear him say. But if you really set him down to say, do you really believe that God is directing your life? You get a different answer. He already said, I don't I've never prayed for forgiveness because I don't think I've ever done anything ever done, wrong. Ever done anything wrong. Right. Yeah. So Trump. He said that during his campaign the first time. Yeah. Yeah. They said, have you ever prayed to God because you're courting evangelicals? He said, no, I've never actually prayed for forgiveness because I don't feel I've ever done anything wrong. Oh, really? And, That's scary. And, and, they right. pushed, and they pushed and they that right on into the White House. under him and was mm-hmm. like, oh, yes, it's fine that he said that. And like, mm, But you know no. what it is, is, is he is saying and doing. He has the pen to say and do what they are wanting to be done and don't have the power to do it. He's right in signing laws. He's how can you say armed militia? Inside any government facility, AK-47 strapped to the, that they're good people. They're breaking the law. Yeah. But they're good people. With Nazi flags. With With Nazi Nazi flags. flags And KKK flags. And they're good people and they're breaking the law. And instead of going to bar and say, go down, get them out of there, shut them down. But we don't want that to happen because he's trying to start a war. He wants that right. to happen. So right. you got to you got to be real cautious. Like I tell people all the time, whenever you try to use racism as a political tool to get ahead, you think you can control it. You can't. It's grabbing a dragon by the tail. Eventually yeah. it's going to turn around and burn you. Look at Germany. Yep. That whole racist policy that they had, nope, didn't work out for them. Every time you try to use racism, it doesn't work. We even in America tried to use racism as a policy for centuries and it didn't work. Wound up with the Civil War. And now for my bum of the week and my boo of the week. My bum of the week this week is Georgia's Governor Brian Kemp. He is reopening his state. He first of all, he cheated in an election to become governor over Stacey Abrams. First of all, second of all, he is now open. He is now open to Georgia. And the day that he announced that he was lifting it, Georgia had a thousand new coronavirus cases. And the day that they actually opened yesterday, uh, Friday, from when we recorded this, um, 
they had 200 new cases. So I don't know what the count is so far today, but I'm sure it'll be hundreds of new cases. And they were protesting. They were they wanted it to open. They got their way. And now more people are getting sick. So he's my bum of the week, because obviously, if you care about the people in your state, you should be treating them better than this. Like it's a serious virus. Nobody has immunity to it. That's why it's taking down people so quickly because the body is not equipped to handle it because nobody has immunity to it. So why are you opening your state? My boo of the week is Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. She told people in Georgia, she said, I don't care what the governor said. Sit your behinds at home. She said, because Georgia's not ready to open. Atlanta's not ready to open. Some places in Atlanta have opened. Um, sadly, it's a lot of Black people who are at events and parks and close parties and all that. But she's really telling everyone in Atlanta to just stay in and be safe. And I will say that Black and brown people are most disproportionately affected, especially Native Americans and Black people. Just stay home. Don't go out until scientists really say it's okay to go out because I really feel on some level that a lot of these red states, they want you to get sick and die so that they so you can't vote in November. Yep. This is an election year. You can't yep. vote if you're sick and dead. And that's why they don't want to do mail-in ballots. So if you're sick and dead, you can't vote and they get to maintain power. I really think they're trying to do it as a power grab, too. Yep. So just stay home. I agree. All right. 100%. Okay. Now for a little fun segment. Um, my mom and my aunt are with me. And thank you all again for agreeing to do this. And I want to talk about three stories from your past that are funny that I found funny. I thought of two. One of them is the story of Mama Madge chasing a woman with the monkey out of the store. And uh, the other one I thought of was when y'all had to find that man's leg whenever he lost it when he got drunk. So take it away. If y'all think of another one, y'all can talk about that too. But Pat, you take ahead. the leg. I take the store. Okay. You're right. Okay. We can't every, call names. We can't call names. Make every, up a name. Every Every Friday night. I mean, when we were growing up, the adults worked. I mean, they were working people. But on Friday night, they just got paid and the liquor houses was open. And this liquor house was up above where we lived. And this particular man, he had a peg leg. And he'd get a taxi cab up to they pull up in our yard and he'd walk up to that liquor house. And me and my sister would say, Lord, have mercy. There he goes. We're going to have to find his leg for the night's over. <laughs> it happened every Friday night. And we'd be in the house looking at TV or playing. And Mama, we'd hear Mama say, Lord, there he comes. I hear him out there hollering. Youngins, y'all go out. Y'all go out there and help John find his leg. What the heck? What this man keep up with a leg? But he had, he had gone up to that liquor house and got drunk, and he'd lose that leg every single Friday night. That's why I don't mess with nothing wood. Everything I got in my house is plastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. That's it. Lord have mercy. Go ahead, Francis. <laughs> Okay. I know how old I was. I was 12 years old because that was the year before we moved to the, before we, the last house we had. Um, 
we had been to church that it was on a Sunday. We've been to church and our uncle our uncle Henry had given us a quarter. It was four of us. It was Pat, Nancy, Deborah, and myself. So we came home and we begged mama, can we go to the store? Can we go get some candy? Get some candy? She kept saying, you know, after we ate and everything, yeah, go ahead. So it was only Pat and myself that went down to the store. And this store was in a black neighborhood, but he was at the end of the neighborhood. He was all the way down. And he was he was a white man. And but we were the only ones that went to his store because all the other people in the community went to the black man's store over on the other end of the little town. A little I guess you call it the town. And um so we go, mama said, just watch the cars. Don't be on the highway, watch the cars. It was like maybe dust dark. So in drizzling rain, Pat and I ran down to the store. So we're going in to tell the man what we want, like what candy we want. And so we were at the counter pointing to the candy. And this woman, this white woman was in the store and she had a monkey on her shoulder and had a little thing that you, I guess a little, some kind of little cord or stick thing that she had to move him or tell him to move or whatever. It was, she was sitting on the shoulder. So she came over by us and stood, stood by me. And, she, and we like, we jumped back and we said, oh, no. And she said, well, what you scared of? It's your cousin. Now, I'm 12. So, Pat, you had to be, what, nine, at least nine. Mm-hmm. And so, but we knew we had been insulted. But we, we were 12 years, we didn't know what to do, but we knew we had been insulted. So we got our candy, came on back up the road, came in the house, and Mama was laying on the sofa in the living room. And we took our coat off, you know, took our, it hadn't been raining, took a coat off. So we sat down on the chair, in the chair. I said, Mama, are we kin to monkeys? And she looked at us, she said, no. Why you ask that? I said, well, it's a white woman down at so-and-so store, and she has a monkey, and she said that we, that was our cousin. My mother jumped up off that couch, and she was like scrambling around <laughs> trying to get her shoes on, and she said, and she grabbed her coat. She said, y'all stay here. I'll be right back. I looked at Pat and I said, oh, this can be good. So me and Pat got right behind her. She wasn't she wasn't running, but she was walk, walking so fast and we were trying to keep up with her, right? Now, she got to the door of the store. Most people open the door and go in. My mother took her foot and kicked that door open. It was a screen door. And she said, words that I can't use the words that she used that said my youngins were kin to monkeys. And the woman started backing around. I said, there she is, mama, over there. There she is. And her husband was sitting on a stool at the counter talking to the owner of the store. Well, he kind of jumped up and moved back. My mother started chasing that woman. People over 40 probably would not know this. But in the little country stores, there used to be 10 uh, stands, like T-I-N stands. And they had bread on them, cakes on them. And they would have two or three in the middle of the floor. But he had one big one with bread on the top and cakes and cookies on the bottom. My mother ran that woman around and around. And the woman said, oh, my. Oh, my. Mama said, I'm going to oh, my you when I catch you. The monkey's still on her shoulder. She was running. They had this man got up, ran out the door, got in his black Ford. It was black, shining, brand new, had red interior, plastic covering. That man, he made a U-turn like a shoot like a horseshoe 
He backed up, made a horseshoe. He opened the door, and that woman, he said, run, run, get in, get in. <laughs> and she ran and got in the car. He took off on two wheels up 220 highway, <laughs> the door hanging open. The door was still hanging open. Uh-huh. My mother came back over to the counter, and she, where she where she did curse the man out. Yes. Why he let her talk to him, her youngest like that. We left that store. We had so much food we couldn't care. We were little. We had chicken, bread, milk, eggs, anything. Just back, and did, my mother didn't pay for anything. But it got to the point where every time she would go in the store, he would say, "What is it now, Madge?" <laughs> she said, "I just want a pack of cigarettes, or I want a loaf of bread." You know, he was scared to death of my mother, and that's the truth. Yep. People always say, like with racist people, like, "Oh, just treat them kindly and with love, and like try to." help them understand. I'm like, no, you just you just whoop their behind one time. They'll get it. Yep. But I know people. Um, oh, we used to, say, we used to do that too. <laughs> yeah, we did. It's so much, so much. I remember one time they had burned a cross in my aunt's yard one time. Pat, you remember that? Uh-huh. And we went over, you know, to see the cross burning. But this particular Lady, I guess, I don't know, maybe she liked white men. I don't know, but I know they burned a cross in her yard. And this man used to deliver eggs to us and <laughs> butter. And he was sitting in the living room waiting on Mama to go pay him. You know, she went to a little coffee can and got the money out to pay him. And he said, Madge, he said, you heard they burned a cross over in Betty's yard? Mama came in and she put her finger right in his face. She said, if you ever burn a cross in my yard, I'm going to kill every one of you. He said, he looked back. He said, now, Mad, you know, we wouldn't burn no cross in your yard. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Uh-huh. And when he went out, I looked at mom. I said, you hear what he said? She said, what did he say? I said, he said, we wouldn't burn a cross in your yard. I said, does that mean he's a clue club? Mama said, yes, they all are. <laughs> so that was uh-huh. the end of that. Yep. One thing about Mama Mad that I liked is how short and skinny she was, but nobody knew, everybody knew not to mess with her. She was 4'11". Like, 4'11 and just skinny, and everybody knew not to mess with her. Like, she threatened a, she threatened a clan member, and, like, he <laughs> got scared, and, like, yeah, I'm not, you know, we, we, we wouldn't we do that to you. Like, yep. you threatened a clan member in the South and lived. It, it, yeah, I think work. it goes we back work. to saying, just believing in yourself, having that having that self pride with who you are, knowing who you are. And I always say, Mama knew who she was. And no matter, it's like we were working at, at the. She was a cook in the restaurant that we worked in, and she and I would ride to work together. And we were going, getting ready to go in the kitchen that morning in the back, going into the restaurant. And this short order cook stopped us at the door. He said, Madge, Madge, I'm just stopping you. I'm just warning you. She said, uh, this is, this is, uh, uh, John's mad enough to jump over the moon today. I'm, this was the owner of the restaurant. He said, I just mm-hmm. want you to know. She said, get out of the way. Let him. The cow did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's just the way she carried herself. It was like, so what? And this, this same owner asked her one day, he said, Madge, you know any little colored boys that want a job washing dishes? Mama stopped doing what she was. She said, all depends on what color you're looking for. <laughs> so he, he just turned around and walked out. 
no doubt. Anything I can say, Jamin, to uh, listeners that's on this pod, know who you are, believe in who you are, no matter what anybody try. Don't let nobody, nobody tell you define who you are and keep your dreams current. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. Thank you to Mom and Aunt Pat for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Can I say one thing? You never Jamie. said one thing, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> one other thing. I just want, I want to know. I want the antidote that they gave Trump. Yeah, I do, too. Everybody don't wear a mask or anything and they're not sick. Right. You, you can't right. take it. it they, they, you can't take it because it's Lysol and Clorox mixed. <laughs> it's Lysol Clorox. <laughs> <laughs> They figured out a way. They were trying they to figure out a way. Though. They just, they just figured it out. <sighs> Thank y'all for joining. Okay. Hey, I'm glad you did. Thanks for coming on. If you didn't know, I have a web series coming out. Lord willing, once this is all over, it's called Vinegar Water. And it is the story of three young black gay men who come out and grow up black and gay in a white gay world. Thank God. It's finally coming together for a virtual stage reading of the first few episodes to let you all know what it's about. The promo trailer, again, is on YouTube and just search in YouTube for Jamin, J-A-M-I-N, Keen, K-E-E-N-E, Vinegar Water, and you'll find it. You can watch the promo trailer to know what it's all about. You can also follow for updates at Vinegar Water Web on Twitter and Vinegar Water Series on Instagram. Music this week is provided by Free Music Archive, Google, at underscore Ace Dizzy Flow, and L.A. Mikey. Once again, this is Jamin with Keen Point of View, the best intersection for gay issues, politics, and Christianity ever. Thanks for listening. Contact the podcast at Keen, P-O-V, K-E-E, E-E-N-E-P-O-V, same name on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Keen POV. The email is keenpointofview at gmail.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it now. And I'll talk to you again, Lord willing, next time. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye.